Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome again to St. John's. My name is Andrew. I'm the Assistant Minister here. It's great to be with you on this best day for Christians. Uh, as we start, I'd like to think you to think of a minute of the best news that you have ever received. What's the best good news you've ever received? Perhaps it was finding out uh, that you're going to have a baby or you've been accepted for your dream job or your dream course or um, your dream uh, vacation is going to happen or perhaps your house has sold for a really good price, more than you thought. Uh, Perhaps you've won the lottery. Um, If you've received that good news, you can talk to me after the service. I've got some investment opportunities you might like to pursue. Uh, or perhaps you had, a, you had a health problem um, and you've received the news that it's been resolved and you don't have to have any more tests or worry ever, ever again about it. So a piece of good news can change your life uh, in an instant, everything about your life, and set it on a completely different course. And today we're thinking about something of that topic because uh, today is Easter Sunday, as we've mentioned. It's Resurrection Sunday and we're celebrating today the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, his real physical resurrection coming back to life after being put to death on the cross. So today is about a piece of very good news and it's actually and completely unexpected good news that changed everything for many people. And for Christians it's the best news that there ever has been and ever will be. And our Bible reading from John that Linda just gave us is the story of how the disciples of Jesus first came to hear this good news and to learn that Jesus had in fact risen from the dead. And this was something that was going to change their whole lives in an instant and in fact it changed the whole course of history. It's a classic piece of good news that still continues um, to change people's lives. I've I've, I've sort of entitled this the theme of my sermon today an unexpected party or unexpected parties. Uh, Those who know me will not be surprised that I've made a connection here to the first chapter of The Hobbit which is called An Unexpected Party. And if you know that story... The Hobbit is the story of Bilbo Baggins and he's a very staid, stay-at-home Hobbit but his life is turned upside down one day by unexpected arrival of guests at his home with news of an adventure and it's a party that led to a change of direction and a new adventure for him as he goes out his door into something new. And in uh, John chapter 20 what we have is a series of unexpected gatherings, unexpected parties Um, where two days after his death, Jesus appears to his disciples in a variety of ways, gives them good news, changes their lives and gives them a new adventure to go out on and to do. And that's what the resurrection did. Tim Tim has already reminded us of one of the unexpected parties at the end of John's Gospel as Jesus met Peter and the disciples for breakfast on the beach and gave them um, a mission, and particularly for Peter. But we're looking in our reading at a few earlier events than that. Now, many of us have heard the Easter story many times and so we know how it turns out and I just think it can be hard for us to read the story and hear it with the perspective and the impact that this news must have had at the time for the disciples, for those who lived through the event of the crucifixion of Jesus and all that that meant. So the story begins in John 20, a few days after Jesus was arrested, he was tried, crucified and his body was laid to rest in the tomb. And the disciples of Jesus are now having to deal with this death and what it means for them. Um, And because for them it was actually a complete shattering of all their hopes and all their dreams. It was the end of their faith that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was God's king, he was going to save them and the world. It was the loss of their friend and their mentor who they'd been with for several years. And it broke up their circle of friends and companions and, and they all went their own ways. 
So it was a complete devastation and grief for them. So as we, on, resu- on the first Resurrection Sunday, we actually find them in a state of shock, really, try- and trying to do basically the minimum necessary to honour Jesus now that he's dead. So Mary Magdalene, who is the most um, probably grief-stricken and, and keen to, to do something, she goes to the tomb of Jesus early in the morning to care for his body. And the, the reading that we heard, the first half of it is largely her slowly unfolding realisation that things are not as she expected them to be when she gets there. So she goes to the tomb, the covering to the, uh, the, the stone is gone and Jesus' body isn't there. And this is very shocking for her and it's sort of like another blow. Um, you thought things couldn't get any worse but someone has taken his body, she says, and she runs back to tell the disciples that you know, even things are getting worse than they thought. Uh, and they come back and uh, have a look. But this leaves Mary probably at the lowest point that she's at. She just—it just says she just. The disciples go; they don't know what's happened. But she just stays there and cries. She weeps. You know what could be worse? Um, there's nothing else that she can do. And so it's right at this point, which is sort of the lowest point for Mary and for the disciples, that this is when the unexpected starts to hit them—the good news. And the, this is where we're the first party. Uh, the first unexpected party happens at the tomb here because Mary isn't actually alone, we read. Uh, she's joined by two angels who appear in the tomb where Jesus had been laid. I think they must have been fairly low-key, non-spectacular kind of angels because Mary doesn't seem really phased by them, does she? She's just, what are you doing here? And they ask her why she's crying. Usually people are afraid of angels, so she might have been just a bit upset and didn't realise <laughs> there were these shining, radiant beings there. Uh, so the party begins, the angels are here and they're talking to her. And there's also a third uh, guest who's come, a mysterious gardener who is, who is more than he seems and Mary starts a conversation with him. And she's confused and it takes a while but as we heard she eventually realises who it is that's talking to her. Uh, it's Jesus. And this is the, the turning point for her. And it really shows, and so it reminds us, Jesus, Mary is actually the very first person to see the risen Jesus and the very first person of anyone in the world who heard the good news of the resurrection. And when she hears this and when she realises what's happened, she undergoes, as we can see, this complete transition in an instant from this devastation uh, to complete joy. And she wants, just wants to enjoy this new news. But Jesus tells her this is not going to be a big party. She has to go and tell people about it. She goes back to Jerusalem to tell others now and she says, I have seen the Lord. And I think you've got to imagine, if you were one of the disciples, if you were Peter and John and the others, how would you respond when Mary comes to tell you that Jesus is alive? I'd be probably be pretty sceptical. I think most of us would be. And so the story isn't finished because the disciples also need to be convinced uh, that Jesus is still alive. And so the rest of the story is how, the, how as a group they came to accept that good news and to take it in and to understand what had happened because it was so unexpected for them. So there's a couple more unexpected parties that Jesus uses to get them to understand what had happened. And so the first is on the evening of the same day. Uh, the disciples are still pretty scared after the crucifixion. They get together just to catch up, but they lock the door because they're afraid of the, of the authorities to come. And this, so this party is probably not a very uh, happy one. They're just catching up with each other. But Jesus unexpectedly crashes this locked gathering and comes in and reveals himself to the disciples, shows them that he's alive. And that is again another dramatic transition for them. This fearful gathering of disciples turns to joy as they receive the gift of the Spirit from Jesus and his peace and joy. And again, he starts to tell them what's going to happen next. 
I imagine they unlocked the doors after they'd had this visitation from Jesus, partly because they realised it can't seem to keep anyone out anyway, but partly because the world, their, their view of the world and what the possibilities of, go, of what's going to happen has of it would have changed. So this is the second party. The disciples realise that things are now going to be different and Jesus has revealed himself. But there's an interesting third party which happens a week later and it's focused on Thomas, uh, the disciple, who missed out on the first meeting with Jesus and the other disciples where he, he came to them. Perhaps Thomas saw that the party was happening that week earlier but he only clicked maybe on Facebook because he knew it was going to be a bit sad and he didn't really want to face it. So he missed out. Um, so it's a shame, but he didn't see Jesus the first time. And it's, it's helpful though because Thomas then becomes kind of the main character of the rest, the rest of this chapter and Mary's the main character in the first half and Thomas is in the second. And the, his challenge is receiving the good news of the resurrection in light of the doubts that he has and ex- experiencing this news as real. Uh, I feel sorry for Thomas, by the way, because I think he's sort of got the worst marketing in the history of the church of anyone because we all know him as Doubting Thomas but he only doubted for a few days and the rest of his life he believed in Jesus and he went and, um, you know, he founded the church in India and he was martyred for his faith. I sort of imagine maybe if I decided to start growing a beard for a couple of weeks and then I shaved it off but then everyone just called me Beardy Bowls for the rest of my life. It's like that kind of, I don't know, it's that kind of thing. So poor Thomas but the fact that his doubts are interesting to us and they do show something about what it means to believe in the resurrection. Um, Because in terms of believing in the good news of the resurrection, Mary and Thomas sort of have opposite stories and they show us different ways that we might experience this news. So Mary saw the good news, uh, saw the resurrected Jesus and then came to understand and believe what, what had happened and that he was alive. It was an understanding question for her. Uh, Thomas, on the other hand, he heard and understood what had happened. He was told, but then he had to come and accept it and believe and trust himself to that news. There are different responses to the good news. So for Mary, it's just this staggering thing, this I can't take it in. Something so wonderful has happened, I can't believe that it's true. But Thomas is more like, oh, I, okay, I get it, but I don't, I'm, I'm a bit suspicious and I want to wait and see if it's in confirmation for myself. And those are diff- so these are the different ways that the disciples responded to the good news of the resurrection of Jesus. Um, and so I, this morning we're to think that the challenge of, that the disciples had, that Mary and, the other, and Peter and John and Thomas had, is still with us about how do we receive this good news of the resurrection, even um, this unexpected news, and how do we take it into ourselves? Because the resurrection, we need to hear, it is still very good news, Um, It's a sort of standing piece of good news for all of history. Even though it happened 2,000 years ago, it's something that is still fresh. It's still a fresh piece of news uh, about what's happening in the world. Uh, Whatever else happens in history, the resurrection tells us the world has changed. Uh, Something new is happening. There is now a constant invitation for us to joy, to hope in what God is doing and that he he will have the victory. So for some people like Mary, it might be just a matter of understanding what's happened, taking this in and reflecting on it. And that's one of the reasons why we have the Alpha Course, to think about what this means, um, to, to understand, yes, that Jesus really did rise from the dead and this is something that has happened, to take it in and to understand what this means for us. So for Mary, it meant moving from this probably a fairly sad view of the world, disappointment, uh, things are gonna, people are going to die, we're gonna be, we're gonna, there's grief, um, the world's a pretty grim place to 
Actually, no. There is, the, there is hope. There is a new sense of joy, God's possibilities. He's doing something. Um, there's purpose to the world, to history, and God is in control. So that's what the resurrection did for Mary. It changed her perspective on what the world was like. Uh, and Jesus pointed out uh, to his disciples many times that they should have expected that this was going to happen. They didn't. And it said in our reading that uh, they didn't understand the scriptures that Jesus had told them, that the story of the Bible was actually always pointing to this event. This is something that was always going to happen. God is going to defeat sin, to defeat death, and start something new to save us. And then the resurrection of Jesus was that. Um, so if the disciples had known what, Jesus was like, uh, what God was like more and what he'd done, they would have expected to receive the good news. But they had to understand it, they had to take it in because it, so un- it was for them completely outside their frame of reference. So Mary's problem is understanding. Do, you, do we understand what happened? And that it does mean that the world has changed. For others of us, like Thomas, perhaps the question is um, not about understanding the idea but about taking it into ourselves to, to trust and just to hope that this is actually something that's happened, to, to be, that it's real. Uh, because the, the resurrection of Jesus then and now leaves open the question of um, doubt. The evidence is not unshakable. Um, it's always left open for, for us to accept it, uh, whether or not. So, but what Thomas's story is meant to show us is that the issue isn't purely the, the physical rev- evidence for the resurrection or that sort of thing. That's another topic for another day. But... His, the evidence that Thomas needed was an encounter with Jesus risen, with this new, th- new thing that had happened, and to accept that what was being presented to him. And so once Thomas actually experiences the presence of Jesus in front of him, no longer does he demand to touch the wounds, to examine the evidence. He accepts it because he has encountered Jesus. And all of us as Christians... From then, uh, from that point till now, our, go- our, our, our experience of the resurrection is the same. It's a personal encounter with Jesus who's risen, who's changed our lives, the lives of people that we know. And so we, our, our decision is do we accept that and take it into our, our lives, as Thomas did, because he, he did change his mind. He said, my Lord and my God, when he saw that Jesus had, had, had really risen from the dead. And that's a challenge for us as well, and that's why in the last verse of our reading... Jesus says to Thomas, he sort of turns out of the text and talks to us as he says to Thomas, blessed are those who have believed without seeing, without having um, this evidence right in front of them. Those who have seen Jesus spiritually and understand uh, through experience that he's alive. Um, and cause, so we know that to be, as Christians to believe in the good news of Jesus, to accept it into our lives is to be blessed because it does change our lives and it does change our perspective on the world um, and gives us a new hope. Because if we hear it properly, the news of the resurrection is the best news that we ever will receive. It's better than having a, getting a, having a new baby or a new job or a new house. Better than winning the lottery even, if we can imagine such a thing. Um, it's the news that gives hope and meaning to all of our lives and to all of history. It assures us that God is at work and everything is changing for the better. Death has been defeated and we will live. And so we're being invited today on Resurrection Sunday to join this unexpected party that Jesus has been putting on since then and to celebrate this good news with him. So I'd just like to pray for us as we think about how we accept this news today. Well, Jesus, we thank you that you are alive, that you are risen from the dead, and we pray that this news 
we would understand it, that we would take it into ourselves and that it would change our view of the world and our view of our mission and purpose for, in life. And we thank you for uh, the joy and the hope that you've brought to the world since the time of your resurrection. And we pray that we would be part of that and you would grow in us a sense of your presence with us today. Amen.